Praise God. Look at the start here in verse 15. The Bible said, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. If the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. Thou also shalt be cut off. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's turn over there. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 6. Praise God. If uh, you're not in the habit of bringing your Bible to church, please let's start that. Amen. Make sure you bring it so you can read with us. Can't do any damage without a sword. Praise the Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 6, the Bible said, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade man, we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Let's put down our Bible and let's pray tonight in Jesus' name. Come. Job chapter 33 in another translation says this, starting in verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream... In the vision of the night, 
When deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak to them in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn men from wrongdoing and keep him from pride, to preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. That's a powerful scripture, isn't it? I want to make this statement to you before I give you the title. But it seems in our day, we have almost magnified the love of God to the exclusion of the fear of God. I want to say it again. In our day, it seems that we have magnified the love of God almost to the exclusion of of the fear of God. We love to play on the silver horn of grace, but no one wants to play on the ram's horn of God's justice. In this age, we have been plagued by love gospels, social gospels, and prosperity gospels. And these so-called gospels, which Paul said might be a gospel, but really is not another, amen, seem to have denied one of the greatest aspects of the nature of God, the holiness of God. I tell you tonight that God is holy before he is love. God is holy before he is righteous. Every attribute of God follows from his holiness. That's right. Amen. The fear of God will produce godliness in our life. It is the heart and driving force of holiness. In fact, the apostle termed it a certain way that I want to use for my title tonight, which is the terror of of the Lord knowing therefore the terror of the Lord 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 says having therefore these promises dearly beloved think of that knowing the promises of God we used to sing an old song every promise in the book is mine Every verse, every chapter, every line. But I want to tell you something. There's certain promises that I do not want to claim. There's certain promises of judgment and some other things that I really do not want to have anything to do with. But they are a promise nonetheless. I tell you that. Having these promises, amen, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, ourselves, there is a sanctification by the Spirit, but then there is a cleansing that we have to do. Isn't that right? From all the filthiness of the flesh and the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I, I do not like the terms that run around Pentecost where you say, well, we're holiness. Let me tell you what, honey. You haven't even scratched the surface on holiness yet. You think we're so holy. But I want to tell you that's one term I do not use to describe myself. There is only one good and that is God. And he's the only one that's holy. And without him, you don't have a chance of being holy. I don't care how long you let your hair grow or how short you might cut it if you're a man. 
I don't care how long your dress is. All these other things, they're good and they're right. But I want to tell you, those really do not depict all of the holiness of God. What about the heart? What about the attitude on the inside? The Bible talks about a people that glory in appearance, but they do not glory in heart. Hey, we love the glory in the outside, Brother Elder. We love the glory in the clothing that we wear or the things that we do and do not wear. But there are a people that can go beyond that and glory in the heart. I'm telling you, the Lord is speaking to us tonight. Spoke to me today about this. Praise God. Amen. Those who desire to fear God. I'll do a little preaching tonight if I can. But those who desire to fear God possess these three ingredients. Number one is a correct concept about the character of God. As I stated to you, Leviticus 19 and 2 says, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's the first thing you have got to realize about God, is God hates sin. He hates sin. I said he hates sin. And God is angry at sin. Now you got to understand that God's anger is not a passion. It's a principle. It's not just God flying off the handle. It's a principle about God. It's not just an emotion with God. It is a principle. He gets angry at sin. Period. It's the eternal hatred of wrong corresponding to an eternal love of right, which of course is another aspect of love. You can't truly be holy and truly love God if you disobey God and his commandments. You can't claim to love God, nor can you claim to fear God. Isn't that true? Amen. We must be holy. And as I stated to you, our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. Bring it down where you live. But there's two different kinds of filthy rags. Number one is the rag they used to wipe the cows off with and remove the excrement off of that animal. Another kind of filthy rag was the menstrual cloth of a woman. That's what your righteousness looks like in the sight of God. And the things that you say make you holy and make you right. Man, I feel I hit something when I said it. Praise God. But God is tired of self-righteousness. And accept your righteousness. Exceed that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You won't enter into the kingdom of God. That's right. Only he can make us righteous. Only he can make us holy. Everything else is a fruit of that act that he has done in our life. Number two is a pervasive sense of the presence of God. Now, how many of you like that scripture? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, man, I love that scripture. And I, I'm glad for that. He, he said, lo, I am with you always. Amen. Even unto the end of the world. Praise God. I'm glad for that. Amen. But we sometimes forget the beginning of that scripture. The Bible said, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
right? Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Watch what you desire. For he hath promised. There's the other promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Only if we could believe that God is with me all the time. I know we understand the concept. Yes, the Bible says God is with me. But do you really believe it? Could you really keep continuing doing some of the things you're doing? And believe that God is with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, watching everything I do, listening to everything I say, understanding every feeling and intent that I speak or do those things. Hmm. Number one, a correct concept about the character of God. God is holy. Number two, a pervasive sense of the presence of God. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And number three, a constant awareness of our obligation to God. 1 Corinthians 6 says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? But you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You don't belong to yourself. Your body doesn't belong to you. Nothing you have, belong, not your car, not your house, not your clothing. Nothing you have belongs to you. You're a servant. It's been given to you. You've been privileged by your master to even have, thank God, if I got two dimes to rub, the, rub together, thank God for it. If I got a little more money than somebody else, well, praise God. And if I don't, I can still be happy because I belong to God and everything I have belongs to him it doesn't matter if it burns down or they steal it it wasn't mine to begin with oh God give us that attitude that I am obliged to God I am a debtor to his service I don't have a choice of my own if I do I'm cursed with a choice I preached about that with Adam one time. That'd be good. Cursed with a choice. He was given the power to choose. And man, sometimes that's a curse instead of a blessing. Praise God. Hebrews 4 and 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. I want to say this as kindly, but as pointed in some way so I can get through to you as I can. But I worry about the way some of you have received the Holy Ghost. Because it seems to me that some of you have a, and I've listened, and I hear people speaking in tongues and going on. And I really don't believe in this da-da-da-da-da-da, la-la-la-la-la-la junk. I don't believe that that is a language and that is a tongue. And honey, you need to pray through until you get you a dose of the real thing. Because that's going to edify you, it's going to build you up, and you need to do it every day. Praise God. That's right. But some of us are falling short of the rest. Because we do not fear God. What is the terror of the Lord? 
Really, what, what is the definition of the terror of the Lord? I, I don't care what you've heard. I'm going to give you a biblical, a biblical view of the terror of the Lord. And that's what we got to go by in the end. First of all, it is an anxious dread. In Matthew 10 and 28, the Bible said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now he's speaking to disciples, isn't he? In Matthew 10. You study it out. But he's speaking to people that are following him and walking with him. And he looked at them and he said, don't fear men that can kill your body, but rather fear him that can cast both body and soul into hell. Now, I don't know about you, but it isn't just an awe that comes over me when I think about my body and my soul being cast into hell. But it is a dread. It is a terror. It is a trembling that overwhelms my spirit when I begin to think that God is able not only to save me, but he could cast both my body and my soul into hell. And I tell you tonight, there's a lot of apostolics in hell. Out of people that were baptized in Jesus' name and at one time had received the Holy Ghost and they're in hell tonight because they did not fear God. Fear is a result first of Adam's transgression. Adam, I want you to listen to me. This is very important for some of you. Adam did not fear the commandment of God nor did he fear the penalty for his disobedience. Neither did he fear God. But what did he fear? He did fear. He feared the voice of the Lord catching him in his sin. Are you listening to me? He feared getting caught. He did not fear God's command. He did not fear God. He did not fear even the penalty of what could happen if I disobey. Because if he did, he never would have committed the act. But he did fear getting caught in his sin. Now some of you and I know how it is. Evangelist comes to town, and I, I'm not afraid to call you out. But most of you, you're not afraid of God. You're not afraid of the command. You're just afraid of getting caught. You're afraid that the man of God might catch you in your sin. But you're not afraid of the commandment. You're not afraid of the penalty for your disobedience. You're just afraid of getting caught. But I'm just a man. Yeah, God can reveal some things to me. Hopefully it will bring you to a place where you will fear the command and fear the penalty for disobedience. But the penalty, it's, it's not a penalty for the man of God to call you out. It's God's love and action. Some of you, God has showed me some things about you already. I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to uh, address some of you, but I love you. But I've, I've got to fear God too. And I've got to give you what he gave me. Come on. But when we say that, oh, man, I, I, I'm afraid of somebody knowing about it. Well, what's wrong with you? That's your problem. 
Open rebuke is better than secret love. Come on. Thank God that somebody cared. But what we're trying to spare you from is the penalty of your sin. Because if you continue in it, my, what a penalty it does carry. Are you listening to me tonight? My God. When I think of him as God Almighty, there is a terror that grips my heart. When I think of him as a father, of course, there is more of a reverence. I love my father. But I also realize the God whose hand I hold as a little child in comparison to what he is is also the God that can cast me into hell as well as be my father. It is a double relationship. It just counts on how you look at God. It's the same coin with two different sides. Amen. From the beginning, the devil has tempted us not to fear the word of God. Don't be afraid of what the Bible says. Don't be afraid of what God has said. Don't be afraid even what the preacher says. Don't be, you don't have to be. They just know that if you get loose, you'll really be something and they're trying to bind you up. They're just trying to put their little thumb on you. That's what, God, that's what God's trying to do to you, the devil says. He knows you to this fruit. You're going to be like God. You can have your own way, have your own reality, have your own consciousness, have your own way. The sinner, the Bible says, has no fear of God. Am I a sinner tonight, brother? Well, do you fear God? I mean, do you really fear God to the point where you tremble? I'm not talking about some of you say, yeah, I fear God. When's the last time you trembled when you heard the man of God preach? Be honest. When's the last time you trembled when you read scriptures that talked about eternal judgment and talked about the majesty and the greatness of God? The sinner has no fear of God. Romans 3 and 18 says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. The word fear of God in the Greek language is an in interesting word. It means theophobos. We get our word phobia from. A God fear. A fear of God. A phobia of God. A obsession. An obsession. A fear that guides me and directs me and teaches me to live right. To walk right. To keep his commandments. There's fear of the dark. There's people afraid of the dark. Some of us here afraid of the dark. Afraid of close spaces, afraid of water, afraid of heights. You could fill in the, the blank. Some are afraid, and this is one that hits a lot of us, of other people's opinions. Afraid that if I live a certain way, I might lose some of my friends. And you know, there develops groups within the church. You young people, you listen to me. There develops groups within the church that, you know, they're really not serving God. They're really not spiritual. And, you know, they, they kind of sit there and they, they kind of sit there like a, the king's court. And, you know, and they, and, and they never really step in. They just kind of laugh off everything. And you see, when you step out to worship or you step out to pray, they'll laugh at you. Afraid of, of the family and what they'll think. Maybe if I live for God, I might lose material gain. I might lose my job. I, I, I might cost me something. And I'm afraid of losing that. But where is the fear of God? 
Hebrews 11 and 7 said, by faith. You notice the scriptures we read tied in faith and fear. Here's another one. Hebrews 11 and 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith he was warned of God and he moved with fear. He was so moved with fear he built something that would save his house and condemn that present world. Think about that. Hey dad have you been moved in faith and by the fear of God enough that you have built a home that resembles an ark of safety where your family is going to be saved and others are going to look at it and be condemned no faith no fear but you can't love God without fearing God respect reverence and fear of the penalty of disobedience must be there it makes a healthy love relationship this is not an, an earthly love please understand it's God's love there is no prototype for it you hear me Except Christ's relationship with the Father. That's the only one we have. Amen. Is that. We are commanded, the Bible says, not to fear other gods. Isn't that right? Have you ever read that? He said, don't fear them. He said, don't go after the other gods that are around about you. Don't fear any other god. So, let me ask you this. If I worship success, I will fear failure. Correct? If I worship acceptance, I will fear rejection. See, that's the God I worship. If I worship life, I fear death. If I worship wealth, I fear poverty. But if I worship God, I fear God. Whatever idol you're worshiping tonight is told by what you fear. What do you fear the most. Some of you ex fear exposure because you hate the word of God in your heart. That's why. My God help us tonight. Man, I, I feel good about it. I don't know about you, but I, I believe we need this. I've been burdened all day. I'm telling you, we have got to dig in. If we get to a correct place in the church, we won't have to work as hard to get souls in here. They'll flood this place. But we, I, I'm glad for what God has been doing in these last services and allowing us just to be here. I'm telling you, friend, we need a move of the Holy Ghost. We need them, and how are we going to get it? Only the fear of God can give it to us. In fact, only the fear of God can deliver you from the fear of man. You hear me? When you fear God, you will fear nothing else. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If you fear God, you will not fear man. You will not fear anything to do with this world. My God, this is what we need. We need to fear God above what people say, above what we think we'll lose. We need a fear of God. When Israel did not fear God, also they were delivered into the hands of their enemies. What uh, enemies have you been delivered to? What spirits 
What habits? What do you reverence? Huh? Deuteronomy 32 and 25 talks about the sword without and the terror within. If you don't fear God, honey, there's some terrors that will come upon you and will grip you that will eventually destroy you. You know, I, I thought there was a, an interesting word. You know, the Bible says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Some of you have heard that Hebrew word there for joy literally means to spin. But it has a double meaning. That if you do not spin in joy, you will spin in fear. If you do not spin with joy, you will spin in fear. In fear. In fear. My God, help us. The fear of the Lord will produce some results in your life. Number one, the Bible said it is the basis of all wisdom. In Proverbs 1 and 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Romans 1 and 22 talks about a people that profess themselves to be wise, but they became fools. The Greek language states there, the word wise is Sophia, the word fools is moros. If you translate it literally, professing themselves to be sophisticated, they became morons. Because they had no fear of God. And there is, I don't care, you might not have a degree from a college. But if you fear God, you have a wisdom that cannot be bought. Praise God. You have an instruction and a wisdom and an understanding that can only come from the throne of God and by fearing the word of the Lord. Are you listening to me? Man, man. The fear of God will remove sin from your life. Don't you want that? Proverbs 16 and 6 says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Think about that. I want that fear of God in my life. I want to depart from evil and the things of this world. You hear me? I want to have a fear of God in my life. Come on, lift your hands right now. Man, we need to get a hold of God. Right now, come on. Pray for a moment. Take your liberty right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe we need to fear God. I knew of a young man that walked into a church and he, he sat down around the second and the third pew on the side of the church. It will be about in this area. And he uh, sat there and listened during the service and the pastor felt impressed by God, the Holy Ghost, to go over there and to talk to this young man. He walked over to the young man and he said, young man, he said, I feel the Holy Ghost directing me to come to you and ask you to get right with God. The young man stood up and looked at that pastor and said, pastor, you can take your Holy Ghost and go to hell with him. When that man said that, 
That young man vomited blood and dropped dead in the front of that congregation. And the fear of God swept that church. That young man did not fear the Lord. And oh, the penalty that will be paid if you do not fear God. I knew of an elderly woman that came to a, a church. She didn't do much. She didn't pay her tithes. She didn't do anything. She just came to the church and sat in the back of the church. And one day, another similar scenario, the pastor felt impressed to go and address this older woman and tell her to come to the altar. In fact, that's what he said to her. I said, ma'am, please, would you come to the altar and let us pray for you tonight? You've been here for years. Would you let us pray you through to Bible salvation? And she said, let me tell you something, sir. You'll never catch me at that altar, not in a million years. Will you catch me at that altar? Call it a coincidence if you want. The next day, she, as her as her usual duty was, she would go to the grocery store on the Monday, as she always did. She'd take her little wire basket and pull it behind her and go to the grocery store to pick up her groceries. She'd always walk. She had an apartment not too far from the church, walk in front of the church. The grocery store was a little bit beyond the church. And she went there and got her groceries and was pulling her little cart back. And as she walked down and passed in front of the church and was crossing the street over to the next block where her apartment was, she obviously did not see the very large vehicle that was approaching her. And as she stepped out into the middle of the street, that truck did not see her and hit that woman and knocked her through the stained glass window of that church. The paramedics and the firemen came in and knocked down the door. And when they came into the church and the pastor ran in seeing the commotion, there he found the balled up body of that old woman laying at the altar she said she would never go to not in a million years call it a coincidence if you want it's the only way I know to bring this home to you honey this didn't happen thousands of years ago there was another case I like to bring this up of a man who was one that we see many times, you've seen him, haven't you? Come in to the church, pray, go out of the church again for another six months, come back in, pray through, then they leave again, and they're just in and out and in and out and in and out. This is the way this man was. They were having a little tent meeting, a special meeting for that church, and they were having a tent meeting and had some special speakers come in. This young man decided he would show up as Occasionally he would. He sat in the middle uh, against the aisle. And uh, the service went on. The altar call was given. And another brother recognized him, saw who he was. It, was. it wasn't a pastor this time. It was just a brother. The brother went over to him and said, Listen, I have watched you for years. And you have come in and gone out, come in and gone out, come in and gone out. I've watched you do it. Why don't you just make a commitment to God tonight? Why don't you just sell out for God? And that young fellow just kind of laughed it off and said, you know, he said, listen, he said, don't worry, take it easy. He said, I I've done this so many times and, and God will give me another chance and I'm not really worried about it right now. 
And he started walking out of the tent and the brother was aghast and uh, could not believe the attitude of this, this one but turned to walk away. But they said as that young man hit the perimeter of that tent that they had put up there for that meeting, he said he'll never forget it as long as he lives. He said he turned around as he heard a blood-curdling scream come from that young man. And he screamed at the top of his lungs and whirled around and started running for the altar. And he was screaming the words, The Spirit has left me! The Spirit has left me! The Spirit has left me! And they tried to pray him through that night as he wept and he cried. But he had rejected the Spirit of God. He had put off God too long. He had put off the move of the Spirit too many times. And how many times have we heard the call for a deeper walk and a new experience in God and heard the evangelist and the pastor call time after time after time after time but we have rejected the spirit of God we have put off the voice of the Lord I tell you friend there is not a more dangerous occupation in all of this world than to be someone that puts off the moving of the Holy Ghost my spirit shall not always strive with man I will not always argue with him. I will not always contend with him. I will not always call him and woo him and speak to him. There'll come a time where you'll be cut off. And Israel is the example to us. And I'm telling you, I warned the United Pentecostal Church, not only in Hutchinson, but in every place in this country that if God spared not the original branches, we better take heed, lest he does not spare us as well. If the angels, which left their first estate and kept not their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of that great day. If Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, going after strange flesh, giving themselves over to fornication, were not spared, but felt the judgment of God. You listen to me, church. You listen to me, brother and sister. You you better take heed. You better fear. As you also will be cut off. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be cut off. I do not want to be cut off. Are you listening to me tonight? Amen. Amen. I, I heard this story from a pastor that said one day he brought an, the evangelist in. And one day, as they were conversing, he said, Evangelist, come go with me to the hospital. They went over to the hospital, went over to the psych ward. And there in the psych ward, he showed them him a cubicle where there was an old, haggard woman with very long gray hair. And he looked at the evangelist, and he said, Evangelist, tell me, how old is this woman? How old do you think she is? He said, well, 60 65, probably maybe 70. He said, no, 
She is 17. He said, let me tell you what happened. She was the cheerleader for the high school here. A very prominent girl, very popular, very beautiful. She was a cheerleader for the football team here at the local high school. One day she came to our church, sat there in the church, and mocked the service, mocked the preaching. And within a few days, they don't know what happened, but something in her mind snapped. And she's been in this hospital ever since. Because of no fear of God. No fear of God. Well, I feel it. Let me bring it down right to where you live. I really feel like this church has lacked in the fear of God in certain areas. Now, I love to compliment people. I love to pat you on the back. But some of you have definitely feared God. You, some of you do not fear the man of God. You do not fear the ministry. You do not fear even the church house. I have watched today, and I know it's not all the authorities' faults, and some of you children need to get a hold of this and you teenagers. But we have a prayer meeting at 3 o'clock while some of you run around and scream and yell outside of this church. That's not the fear of God. In fact, if I, I, I would say to keep a reverence, I wouldn't even walk through the sanctuary. I, I'd go downstairs and walk out and go through the back. Through the, that's right. And maybe it's the uh, former Catholic in me. I don't know. But it always bothers me to watch a Pentecostal walk in the church and chew gum and just go on and, and just, just treat it any old way. When I, I watch Catholics walk down the aisle and genuflect before the monstrance and do the sign of the cross and walk with fear in a temple that worships other gods and does not even worship the true God. And would never think of patting the priest on the back or talking to him in some way disrespectful or mock him or mock with him. There was a reverence, a fear for that man's position. And he, he's not even preaching the truth. He have men of God that will come to this pulpit and your pastor who's been here for years and where is the reverence when the man of God speaks? Huh? It's amazing to watch. Unless you, I understand some people got bladder and kidney problems. But it's amazing to watch some people walk in and out of a Pentecostal service. And then say they believe God is here and the Holy Ghost is moving. And that they fear God. And you can't hold your bladder for an hour and a half, two hours. Now, that's where he, you could say you fear God all you want, but how, do, how, do, how does it go then? Huh? How does it go then? Yeah, I know. But I'm telling you, friend, we'll never have revival until we have a fear of God in the church. Christians should walk in the fear of God. The Bible speaks of a trembling, doesn't it? In Philippians 2 and 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Think about that, what that means. With a fear and a trembling that there's a possibility I might not be saved if I don't work it out. 
The Lord marveled in Isaiah 66 where he said, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made and all those things, uh, uh, all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. I don't just dwell in temples made by man's hands or by wood or by stone or by sheetrock or carpet that's not what god is looking for he said i've made all of that all those things have been i've had that before but i'm looking to dwell in a man that is contrite that is humble and knows how to tremble when the word of god is preached i preach thank god i preached in some churches where i preached on the judgment and eternal judgment of god and I listen to people cry and weep and mourn you know why a lot of them were first generation a lot of them had just come out of the drug scene out of the world and they appreciated the love of God and they appreciated that Jesus saved them and they realized that there was an eternal where are the people that tremble when the man of God speaks. Where are the people that when they hear the word of the Lord from the pulpit, their knuckles turn white as they grasp the pew in front of them and tremble under conviction. I'm not going to be satisfied till I see that in the church again. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of hearing uh, the old timers talk about it. I am tired of watching the sinner being able to walk into the church and not feel the conviction and the fear of God. And you know why it is? It's because the people of God no longer fear him. No longer do we fear the God that made heaven and earth. But we have made a shambles out of the presence of God, out of his service. It made a mockery. But God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you wonder why you brought relatives and family and they didn't respond to the preacher. Maybe it was because there's a lack of the fear of God in the church. I can read to you accounts where they said Methodists would pray and people would say the sinners would walk in and they would literally, their bodies would convulse under the presence of God. And then we say we have the truth and we say we know the doctrine and we say we know God is one and we know who he is and we know what the doctrine of the Lord is, huh? Let me tell you what, you might know it in your brain, but where is the application of it? Brother Gibney, I don't know why you're doing this to us tonight. I'm telling you what the burden is on my heart. I'm tired of this false pretense, false security Christianity that I see all over the country. I'm tired of watching the United Pentecostal Church go in the way of the assemblies of God.
No fear of God. No fear of God. We identify with the early church. The Bible said in Acts chapter 2 that fear came upon every soul. Many wonders were done by the apostles. You hear me? The fear of God's wrath, power, justice, and holiness sets forth the majesty of God. You know why some of you can sit there and not worship during a service? I get tired of hearing about our aches and our pains and how tired we are and how old we are. Use that excuse before God. I'm not limiting myself from this at all. Maybe if we hadn't abused ourselves so much, we could worship God. But where's the fear of God? Where's the fear of God? If you fear God, why don't you get, in the, get under an unction and get lost in the Holy Ghost where you won't feel your pain anymore? We move in the fear of God. Come on. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. Where's the fear of God's wrath? Where's the fear of God's power? How can a world look up there and call him the old man upstairs and say they know the majesty of God? But a true godly person never forgets that he was once the object of God's holy and just wrath. You notice, friend, that when fear came upon every soul, many wonders were done by the apostles. If you don't fear God, you don't fear the man of God. You know why an evangelist can come in and pray for people and see people get healed? Because you don't know them. You haven't had a chance to degrade them and put them down yet. You haven't had a chance to gossip all over the church and say this and say that. And talk to your children. And get around the Sunday dinner table. And talk about what you don't like about the preacher. Then you wonder why when he goes to pray for you, you don't get healed. One of these days it might be your children that have cancer or have a sickness. But have you degraded the man of God to such a point that they don't even believe in his prayers? You, you go ahead. You hear me. You degraded the man of God. You degrade the Sunday school teacher. You degrade the Christian school teacher. And I want to tell you, it's going to go right down the line. When you degrade authority, you're putting something in that child. And one of these days, you'll be the one standing up with a prayer request in hand, saying, oh, I want my boy to be saved. I want my daughter to be saved. And you're the chief reason they're not in the church today. Because you don't fear the man of God. Some of you, your husbands would be in the church if you feared God. Enough to obey the Bible. Come into the church. Let yourself go so bad. Your husband can't hardly stand to look at you anymore. And then wonder why he doesn't want anything to do with God. I'm talking to you tonight. I'm telling you. What have we done to the church? What have we done to the things of God? By our lifestyle. Ananias and Sapphira are an example after the cross, after the spirit of grace has been poured out. Right? Everybody knows about Ananias and Sapphira. What did they do, Brother Gibney? They sold a possession. 
kept back part of the price and lied to the Holy Ghost via the man of God. You better be careful when the man of God comes to you and asks you a question. If I ask you this week, if you prayed and you lied to me, you better look out. I'm praying the judgment of God will fall on you. What will it take an Ananias and a Sapphira to drop dead here in Hutchinson, Kansas to get us to fear God again? Is that what it's going to take? What did they do, Brother Gibney? Number one, listen to me. They lied about the price. They claimed to be just like everybody else. They claimed to be sold out just like everybody else and had laid everything at the, the feet of the apostles. But they lied. They claimed to be sold out, but they were not sold out. They claimed to be just like everybody else, but they were not like everybody else. Come on, some of you are getting distracted already. Some of you, you, you are so attentive to the devil, it's amazing you ever hear from God. The devil will do anything to keep your mind off of this. This is the message that you need. Some of you have done everything to play with babies and everything else tonight. And I know certain things happen in the service. The devil will pinch every baby and do anything he can to get you off of the subject. But some of you have done it to yourself because you don't like this. You don't want to hear this. And that's your problem. You've been nothing but a hindrance to this church. You don't fear God, but honey, you might think you're going to sit around and do it some more, but you're going to find out different here very soon when the judgment of God falls on you. How many churches have I called and the pastors told me what's happened after the revival? I remember one church I left after two weeks of revival. That Sunday school, the Sunday school superintendent and his wife walked up to the pastor after that revival, said, we don't believe in the oneness. We don't believe in holiness. We don't believe in the doctrine anymore. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Within 48 hours of that revival ending, they had a television and a video in their home and a 50-year-old woman walking down the mall with a miniskirt on and earrings and, and makeup because that quick God gave them over. You might lie about the price. You might say you're sold out just like everybody else. You might say you're an apostolic believer. But you better be careful, honey. You're not lying about the price. While it was in your own hand, couldn't you have given just a, just say what you are? Don't try to be something you're not. They lied to the Holy Ghost when they lied to the ministry. But the Bible said when these two hypocrites died, great fear came upon the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands, watch, here it is again. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among all the people. Little fear, little wonder. Great fear, great wonders. Do we fear the house of God? In fear will I worship toward thy holy temple, David said. And I want to make sure I fear the ministry that attends this temple. You hear me? I knew a man in Louisiana that walked up to one of our pastors and slapped him right across the face. 
He was a farmer working out in the field. He didn't realize it would happen. Then he'd be working with that combine, and that combine would rip that hand off of his body, the one he chose to slap the man of God with. Listen to me tonight. I'm talking to you. There's some of you sitting here, you don't fear the ministry. He, the pastor's told you to do things, and you haven't done them. You come to get counsel, and all it really is is to tell the pastor what you're going to do. You didn't come to receive instruction or direction. Then tell me you fear the ministry, and you fear the man of God. We know different. I knew a man that used to torment a pastor, used to take a bullwhip and touch the top of his head in front of his family and mock him. Big, burly man. The pastor physically was no match for him and stood and took it in meekness in front of his whole family. It was no surprise to me when that man drove off a cliff in his car and when they exhumed the body from the car, the top of his head was cut off. Don't you think God won't get you? You won't reap what you've done. Don't you, don't you put your hands on the ministry and your mouth on the ministry. You listening to me? God help us tonight. I had a lady in Indiana. This was in one of our services in, in, in Indiana. And she, she was one that wasn't going to listen to the pastor. She wouldn't listen to nobody. That's what the, the, the last words the devil said when he fell from heaven. Nobody ain't gonna, nobody's going to tell me what to do. That woman stood in a, I had a, a line where I prayed for people. This lady, she'd go and wear pants to work in the hospital and make a mockery at a Pentecost. She came down to be prayed for. It was kind of, it was interesting. And uh, you can call it coincidence again. There's two ladies that were helping pray with the ladies. They were both nurses. When I laid hands on that woman, she fell to the ground and stopped. She stopped breathing. Her heart stopped. All we knew, she was dead. Right there in front of that whole congregation. We prayed for her again. They took her pulse. No pulse. They, she put her, her ear down to her chest and could hear no heartbeat. They put a little mirror up to her nose. There was no breathing. And she laid there for a few minutes. We prayed again, and God brought that woman back. But you talk about a woman that feared God right at that point. Stood up and confessed to that whole congregation of her rebellion. And she literally trembled and shook. What's it going to take? I'm praying that's what will happen here. If it will give us revival. God, do it again! It's somebody... That is immersed in rebellion. You better be careful quick to say amen. It might be you. Be careful when you think you stand. Take heed lest you fall. Are you listening to me? It happened over and over again in the book of Acts. Herod was eaten alive of worms even after he thought he could lay his hands on James and take his head from his body. Elamis was struck blind. And the apostle was filled with the Holy Ghost and proclaimed the word upon him. And he went about looking for somebody to guide him. Hey, that's New Testament. That's after the Holy Ghost is poured out. Listen to me, I'm giving you this. I'm taking my time tonight. I'm taking my time. Brother, Brother Johnson in Indiana, he used to be in Sullivan, Indiana. He's now in Iowa. Robert Johnson, you might, you might know him. He's a nice guy. He really is a nice guy. 
And he's very, he's probably one of the more compassionate. He's straight, but he's very compassionate. And he said when he first went to that church in Sullivan, that was a den of devils and demons if I ever seen it in my life. And he said when he went to this church, there was a couple that God showed him that was living in adultery. He'd approach them and they'd lie like a dog. And he said, listen, you guys are living in adultery. No, pastor, listen, we know what you're trying to do and everything. You're really trying to have revival, you know, but it's not us. But he knew it was them. He knew they were living in adultery. God had showed it to him. But he prayed about it and he prayed about it. And this is very much against Brother Johnson's nature. But he said the Lord spoke to him. He said, I want you to get the man. And I want you to bring him to the church. You and him. And I want you to make him sit on the altar. And he said, if he lies to you, I will kill him right in front of you. And you will know that I am the Lord. The Johnson did not look forward to this. As I told you, it's against his nature. But he brought the man and obeyed God. Brought him, set him on the altar, and asked that man, are you committing adultery? He said, and if you tell me anything but what's right, God said he would kill you right here. That man stuttered. He stammered, trying to get out those words. And Brother Johnson testified that he watched that man turning gray right in front of him. The life was leaving his body. And he jumped off of that altar and screamed, yes! I'm living in adultery. And he almost lost his life. And the man of God tried to call him to repentance. But they chose that they, were, they would lie. You better be careful of this altar. You hear me? I'm, tell, I'm not glorifying wood or stone. But I'm telling you that there is something about a place that you meet God. And I've watched, I, I've heard people, I knew one guy that come in, his wife and his daughter were praying for the Holy Ghost. He, he, they'd gone home that morning, he'd beat them up, they came back anyway, and were praying for the Holy Ghost. And he'd come in stoned, stoned out of his mind, he'd come drunk into that church and staggered down that aisle and went to grab his wife and his daughter from that altar and he screamed and he fell on his back and they examined him and from his fingertips to his elbows there was third degree burns from touching people you let your kids do anything they want around this altar and you love your children huh we come and take this as a some place like we, we, we act like God was never here. Where's the fear of the altar? Where's the fear of the ministry? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get done here. But I want to give you this. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. I know I take a while in my preaching, but I study 50 and 60 hours on my sermons. It's hard to preach them in 20 minutes. But I'm giving you the best I got. There's a fearful judgment in Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 21, if you want to look there with me. The Bible talks about having a high priest over the house of God. It said, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another and provoke unto love and unto good works. Watch this now. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. As you know, this book was written not to the world. It was written to Hebrew Christians. Isn't that right? And verse 25 in the Jewish New Testament says it this way. Not neglecting your own congregational meeting as some have made a practice of doing as you see the day approaching. Fellowship in a house is not enough. Meeting somebody at, at Denny's is not enough. You've got to be in a congregational meeting. And the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together or not leave an alert or behind the time in which you gather together beside one another. In the manner there is custom. It should be our custom to attend church, not our custom to refrain from church. Why? Because it seems that some, even by this time in church history, had already formed the perilous habit of not attending public worship. And the Bible said in the next verse, everybody gets afraid about this one verse, willful sin. I want to tell you what leads to the willful sin. You start not coming to church. That's where it begins. The willful sin is not just one particular act, but it is something that you get engaged with, that you continue in. Are you listening to me? Amen. A practice of not attending church can lead you not only to reprobation, but to apostasy. The word apostasy means a falling away. When you become an apostate, it is impossible for you to pray through again and come back into the church. When you deny repentance, when you deny baptism in Jesus' name, when you deny the Holy Ghost, that's what it will lead you to, friend. When you stop attending church, that's what happened to these Hebrew Christians. They started leaving their Christian meetings and going over to the synagogue. Why do you think we tell you not to go over to those Church of God and Assembly of God and other churches? I wouldn't walk in them. I don't know how some of our people can go and sing in those places and then let them give the altar call for those people to accept Jesus and not even receive Bible salvation. You listen to me tonight. But I'm telling you that you stop coming to church and it'll lead you to apostasy. It'll lead you to a place where you'll never be able to pray through again. There's no mercy for it. The willful sin is a total abandonment of Christianity. 
for Judaism or anything else, a total renouncing of Christianity. What they would do is they would get so brainwashed by the Jews that they would stand up in front of the Sanhedrin and say, I renounce Jesus as God. I renounce Jesus' name, baptism. I renounce the Holy Ghost. That's what it brought them to. And friend, that's what it'll bring you to. You say, oh me, I'll never be a Trinitarian. I've watched too many become it that I thought never would become it. I've watched them turn their back on holiness and the things of God, even in my short tenure in the United Pentecostal Church. And you think it won't happen to you, huh? There's no mercy, friend, if you don't consider the body, which is Christ. As they say, the shepherd will lay himself in front of the doorway, and the sheep literally have to walk over the shepherd to get outside of that place of safety. That's what you're doing. You're counting the blood unholy. You're despising the spirit of grace. 1 Peter 1 and 17 says, And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. The fear of God shows you appreciate the love of God. I'm closing here. Some of you, I, I'm sorry that you can't handle much more, but I, I, I'm giving you what I have tonight. Some of you, some of you, you just... Uh, you don't pray at home enough, don't read your Bible. That's why we're getting this going, because you can't handle a lot of spiritual food. God help us tonight. We need a fear of God. Because disobedience, because of a lack of the fear of God, can be deadly. Let me tell you this. I want some of you young ladies, I want you to look at me at this. I want you to listen to me. I talked to this woman myself. She was a, a beautiful Spanish girl. Beautiful, beautiful lady. She was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And she told me this story. I've never forgot it because it happened to her. She said when she grew up in the church, she said that she would give tongues and interpretation. She was used of God. The church loved her. She knew it. She was used in, in position. She was used in the church. But uh, one day, a handsome young Spanish man walked in to the church. He supposedly prayed at the altar and received the Holy Ghost. Supposedly. But uh, she got involved with this young man. And uh, as she got involved with him, she fell in love with him, became infatuated with him, of course, and decided she would marry him. She asked other people about it. She asked the people in the church. They said, no, honey, he's not been in long enough. You need to wait. The pastor told her, listen, you don't need to do this. I'm telling you, you should wait. You should watch him. But her mind was made up. Her emotions were fixed. And they were married. And it was a beautiful wedding. They went off that night in the honeymoon night, which should be the most beautiful night of two people's lives here on earth. And they walked into the motel room where they were staying. And within 15 minutes, that young man turned into a lunatic and beat that girl to a bloody pulp. She ran out of the hotel room in her wedding dress, ran to the elevator, it took her downstairs, ran out the front doors of that hotel, ran out to the park and sat on the bench and wept, her beautiful wedding dress soaked with blood because she wouldn't listen. She wouldn't listen. She just wouldn't listen, no matter how much anybody told her. 
I talked to the pastor of that church, that same church. They're, they're Trinitarian, I don't mind telling you that. But probably stricter holiness than some that we know of, even among apostolics. It's quite amazing. The girl cuts her hair more once or twice. Once she gets sat down for a month, twice, six months, third time she gets kicked out of the church. But he told me he had a dream. He said in the dream one time he saw bodies flowing down a river. Open caskets. And he looked in and he saw the faces of backsliders going down that river. He said, one case, he said, I can show you right now. We went to the hospital where this girl was. It seems they were backsliders, even to their definition. And you won't escape the judgment of God no matter who you are. Especially if you're playing with the false stuff. God even used Balaam, but he judged him too. But you listen. They decided to get a television, which of course was always a sign of backsliding even to that church. If you've got one, you're backslid. They were putting in this brand new color television. He was hooking up the antenna upstairs. She was excited about it, plugging it in. They don't know what happened. They call it, as the insurance companies would call it, an act of God. Maybe that's very appropriate. But lightning hit that antenna. And as that girl, just at the same time she was plugging in that television, it struck her and blew the arms and the legs off of her body and singed her body beyond description. I went to the hospital where she was. Don't tell me it's not true. I went there. I, say, I seen what that pastor described to me. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. All because of disobedience and no fear of God. You might do what you think you want to do. You'll leave this church. You'll do what you want to do. But let me tell you what. You'll not escape God. You'll not escape the presence of God. You better fear God with everything that's in you. Disobedience because of a lack of the fear of God can be deadly. The psalmist proclaimed, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I don't understand that, Brother Gimme. Well, let me explain it to you. You better fear God because his forgiveness is the only one that counts. If he reaches the place where he can't forgive you, my God, what a desperate place. But there is forgiveness with him that thou mayest be feared. I fear him because I realize he's the only one that can forgive me. The only one that can wash away my sins. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Stand on your feet tonight. Bow your heads for a moment. terror of the Lord. Just look at me one more moment here. One thing I want to bring to you as we close tonight. There's a scripture in Jude that I remember here. It says, others with fear as pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garments spotted on the flesh. I read an article about a man in Saudi Arabia when this all took place with this desert storm. The article depicted that the helicopter went down with three or four men in it. Two or three of them escaped with their lives. One fell out whole enough 
to tell the story of what went on here. He said he watched that helicopter go down and his friend was in the seat in the front. He said the flames begin to consume that helicopter and his friend begin to scream as the, the flames begin to lap at his body. He said, I reached in to try to loose the seatbelt that held him in that helicopter as he was screaming, get me out, get me out, get me out. But he said it was too hot. And I reached in and I burned my arm and my hand reaching in there, trying to get my friend out of that fire. And my friend tonight, I'm trying to reach for some of you and some of you don't even realize how desperate of a situation we're in tonight. But we're literally reaching in the fire for some of you. I don't mind burning my hand. I don't mind risking reputation to do what they say you shouldn't do. You shouldn't preach this way and you shouldn't do that. But I'm reaching in for some of you tonight. Something's got to take place in your life. Or you're going to lose out with God because you do not fear Him. You do not fear Him. I want you to read your scripture before we pray that I feel is very important. The Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 1, a very potent scripture. I want you to listen. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of their own way, and shall be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from all fear of evil. There'll come a time, friend, you've delayed, and you've delayed, and you've delayed. And you've waited and you've waited. And you say, well, there'll come a time where I want to call upon God. But that time might be a time that God will not answer. Because you did not fear Him. Because you did not fear Him. You did not fear God. We need to pray for a moment here right now. I want everybody to pray. I want you to pray for conviction and fear to fall upon every soul. I don't want anybody coming to this altar yet. I didn't ask for this. Kids, get back. Everybody else, get back. You come when we get ready. Just pray right where you are right now.
Too many times we've gotten into our little forms, our little rituals, our little hiding of our head in the face at the altar. God's not interested in that. He's looking for a heart. It'll say, I fear you, God. I feel a, a baptism of the fear of God falling on this place tonight. God, let it happen right now. Baptize us with a fear of God. Baptize us with the terror of the Lord. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. God, I'm trying to persuade somebody tonight. I know your terror. I know we're going to stand before you one of these days and give an account for everything we've done, good and bad. <coughs> Come on, church, let's pray a little longer. Right where you are, would you lift your hands and surrender in the fear of God right now? Come on. Do I fear God? Do I fear the preacher, the ministry? Do I fear the word of God? Do I fear the penalty for disobedience? Do I fear apostolic authority? Jesus, 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 God move by your spirit tonight, only you can do the work oh God in Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Oh, God, come on, let's pray right now. Let's let the Holy Ghost have his way no matter what it takes. Whatever it takes right now. Get a hold of this. Say, God, baptize me in a fear of you. Come on, that fear won't hurt you. It'll cause you to be bold in your witness. It'll cause you to live for him better than ever before because you will fear nothing else but God. God, we got to have revival. We've lost the fear of God. We've shook our face and our fist as it were to an empty heaven not regarding you or your word. We've lived any way we've wanted to live as if there was, was no God. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive our disobedience. 
forgive our sin tonight. Come on. Come on, let's let the Lord move. I don't mind telling you, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking the rapture had taken place. And a fear gripped my heart. Oh God, let it grip me before the rapture. That I might be ready. God, give us a move of the Holy Ghost. A spontaneous move. I can do nothing, Lord. Only you can do it. Only you can help us. Only you can restore the fear of God. Lord, help us to fear you tonight. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Give us a move of the Holy Ghost tonight. Restore what the canker worm has eaten away. Restore, Lord, those services that we've heard of old where people trembled and cried under conviction just because of the Holy Ghost. God, restore to us apostolic revival. <laughs> Jesus. God, put conviction down deep in our soul. Give us a desire to pray and to live right, not to live in lust of this world, of the flesh, of the eyes, of the pride of life. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, 
Help us, Lord, tonight. Help us, Lord, tonight. Hataramokole miandi andorobokosando ribakotaya. Hear our cry, O Lord, attend unto our prayer. Oh, let us fear you tonight. Let us fear you tonight. Atta <laughs> 